So it is true. This isn't always true, but a lot of things in life, timing is very important. There is a, there is a window of time that's really, really important. And, and I want to discuss that with you today. This is especially true relationally. And I want you to know that if you are involved with someone who is in between the age of like fifth grade, well, that's not an age, it's a grade, in between the grade of like fifth and ninth grade, fifth and eighth grade, let's say, that is an unbelievable relational window. You know, I, I've made a ton of mistakes as a father, and God's grace, thank, thankful, I'm thankful his grace isn't just for salvation, it's for parenting too. How many can say amen to that, right? Okay, I need a lot of that. But one of the things that I did well, and, and I'm still in this phase of life, is I invested in my kids between fifth and eighth grade because that's when you win their hearts. You win their hearts at that age. And that's no reason for regret because I guarantee there is someone in that age category who is either in your life now or will be in their life, in your life in just a number of, in a few years. And that's why, one of the reasons why we invest so much in connections, our fourth and fifth grade ministry, our sixth and seventh grade uh, type, type teaching time that happens after worship. That's intentional. We want, the, we want the sixth and seventh graders to experience worship with us, but, but then they also, they, they also transition, and then eighth graders start uh, becoming more part of the body on Sunday morning. I, I'm letting you know this. This is helpful for kind of body life, but also just to remind you of these windows of opportunity that do occur. And God's grace is bigger than that. I mean, we miss out on some of those, and I, I, I get that, but but we, we must be aware that um, life is pregnant with possibility right now for, for this era, for this age. There, there's something God wants to accomplish in you, through you, um, and, and he's working right now. And, and today I want to talk about responding to God in the present. Responding to God in the present. That's why I had Daniel read that scripture that said, today. Today, don't harden your hearts like, like the Israelites did in the rebellion. Uh, God moves today. And, and as a body, one of the things that I'm hoping to accomplish is for us to lift the value of our Sunday morning experience so that we can say every Sunday we gather, it is full of possibility for me. If we begin to approach Sunday worship and gathering, that it's full of possibility that God is going to speak through the music. He's going to speak through the interaction we have through others. He's obviously already spoken through his scripture and he's going to reveal that. It's amazing what can happen. I don't want you to walk like you're in a coma when you come to service. I was going to say zombie, but I felt like that was too controversial. I was like, oh no. So then I said something worse. I don't want us just to go through the motions of Sunday morning activity. I suppose it's good to have good habits in our life. So it's honestly better to come to church out of habit than not to go to church at all. I believe that. So I'm not one of those like, if you don't come, if you're not fired up about coming to church, just stay home. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that for me because as I go to church 50 Sundays, 52 Sundays a year, but I go to this church probably 50 Sundays a year. And, and yeah, is it 50 for 50 that I'm just pumped about coming? Probably not. But I, I know this is that, that once I'm here, I'm energized by you. 
We're energized by each other. And if we, if we begin to get the biblical basis of God who moves in the present. So here's the first point I want to make today. Is God often speaks softly. He doesn't always speak softly, but he often does. And we have a problem with that. Because we want God to be loud. We want God to be obvious. And we don't really want nuances with God. We don't want any risk with God. We, we want everything to be so clear that it almost doesn't take trust in him. How I many knows when, when things are so clear, then, then it almost there, there is this, this sense of risk that is good for us. And so we want God to be noisy. We want God to be loud. We want God to be obvious. But often God is speaking in hushed tones. Elijah had a significant spiritual victory. And then he went into depression after that. And then God came and God spoke and restored him. And we pick up this story after this this significant experience of elation and deflation and the significant experience God decides to speak to Elijah. And we're going to pick it up in the middle of the story. First Kings chapter 19, starting with verse 11. And then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. That's what the angels said. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. Isn't that the type of God we want? That's pretty obvious, isn't it? But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Now, hold on a second. got to give some commentary here. This is kind of what we want. Man, the, the Lord is shaking things up. Right? Their fire came down from heaven. Hey, those things do happen and can happen. But... This story reminds us that after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. The Lord often speaks quietly. And so the problem isn't that God is not speaking. He just isn't speaking loud enough for our preferences. We miss God too often. We have to be in tune to his frequency. And when you tune into a frequency, it can be a little touchy, can it? If you're just not right on the correct frequency, there's a lot of static. And so it is that in the Gospels and in the book of Revelation, the Lord clearly says, he who has an ear, let him listen. He who has an ear, let him listen. And so are your ears open to God? Are we coming to a service like this saying with anticipation, I'm going to hear from the Lord today. I don't care who's preaching. I don't care who's leading worship. I don't care what the text is. I'm going to hear from God today. If you've been in church for a long time, your interpretation of deep preaching is an obscure Old Testament passage you haven't heard in a long time. So anytime I need to preach deep, I just go find something obscure that y'all haven't heard in a long time. And you guys are like, that's deep stuff, man. Whoa. But if I preach about Jesus, if I preach about the gospel, if I teach about the cross too much, oh, it's just shallow stuff. 
The point is this. It doesn't matter what the content is. If you have ears to hear, the Spirit of God will speak to you. Listen, talk to some of those who come to both services. Some of us, uh, Brian's doing the media back there. Steve's doing the sound. Hunter's doing the lights. They've got to hear this the worship three times, you got to hear the sermon twice, but if they have listening ears, God will speak to them a different way at 1045 than he did at 9 a.m. It's about tuning our ears to the spirit. One of the things that really bothers me is the subtle spiritual pride when Christians think they don't need church anymore. Can I tell you, I need church. I need you. I need to hear God's word. I need to be in God's presence. And the day that I think that I don't need to be with God's people is a day that I'm vulnerable to temptation. It's a day that I'm isolated. When we begin to think that we do God a favor by coming to his house and being with his people, then we are walking in spiritual arrogance. But when we have a humble heart, put someone up here who's never preached. They may stutter. Their illustrations may not be funny. It may go too long or too short. But if they speak the word of the Lord, my heart is ready to receive everything God has. I'm not depending my spiritual life on personality. I'm not depending it on an emotional lift. I'm depending my spiritual life on the faithfulness of the Lord revealed in his scripture. Jesus talked about this principle in Matthew chapter. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let me give you the second part. Hold on. Hey, I went, okay. That was a train wreck. Man, when I start preaching off notes. That won't happen at 1045. So three times this week, Beth, Beth told me that she was doing something Thursday night. We have a real complicated calendar with all the stuff the five of us do. So three, three, at least three times this week, she said, Thursday night... I have a meeting in Nashville, and afterwards I'm going to the church to, to rehearse music, to rehearse for our Friday night event. So she told me that at least three times, maybe four times. Thursday was a busy night. We're all in different directions. I knew she would be out late with the worship practice, so we regathered at the house. And she always looks nice, always, always looks nice, but she was really dressed up nice. So... This is a very vulnerable time for husbands. Because you have to kind of craft the question right. I used to say, you look really good tonight. She's like, do I not look good every night? So, so it's a tricky time. But, but she was dressed a little differently, just differently. And so I asked the question. I said, wow, why are you dressed so nicely tonight? You look great. I thought I had crafted this question correctly. But she gave me the most puzzling look, and she just said, Aaron, how many times did I have to tell you what I did tonight? Do you, not, do you not know what you did tonight? And I said, of course I know what you did tonight. Then I walked in the other room and got my calendar out to see what she did. <laughs> and I came back in, and I said, uh, hey, so, so how was the meeting in Nashville? She said, you're not tricking me. I know you forgot. And so we laughed about it. It's interesting how things can come into our head over and over because she really did tell me many times last week and it just did not, did not settle. And I didn't review my information and I just didn't know. And that was no big deal. As human beings, messages come into our mind and they leave very fast. 
Jesus knew this principle, and we can make this observation. God's message often leaves quickly. It's not really God's fault. It's, it's other reasons that Jesus revealed. Matthew chapter 13, starting with verse 18, Jesus had given this illustration about a parable about the sowing of seed, and now he explains it. He said, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes, snatches away what was sown in his heart. Can I just, I want to make you aware that the spiritual truth from scripture that's coming to you right now, the enemy wants to take it from your heart, take it from your heart. He he wants to snatch it away. This is the one sown along the path. Jesus gives more explanation. The one sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but is short-lived. When pressure or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the seduction of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does bear fruit and yields some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. This is this call that if we're aware, guys, that all of the things that were explained in that scripture, the wealth, the, the, the overemphasis of wealth, the worries of life, The work of the enemy wants to take the word of God from you, wants to choke out the word of God from you. But my prayer for all of us, when we believe in the God of the present, that good soil is in our hearts this morning. We're ready to receive. We're ready to receive what God has to say. And you don't have good soil when your heart is hard. When your heart is hard, you don't have good soil. That's why one of the things the presence of God does is it softens our heart. And it it softens us and it it keeps our hearts pliable. That's why I talked last week about the power of lifting our hands in worship because it it helps soften our hearts. It plows up that hard ground. It gets us ready to receive everything God has. I think we have to be real careful how we entertain ourselves on Fridays and Saturdays because that can grieve the Holy Spirit. And we're not ready to receive what God has for us. I think that it would do us well. That if we, and, and some of you aren't ready for this and that's okay. So just maybe the Lord will bring it back at a time when you are ready. It would do us well to make good decisions on Saturday. Because we believe that God's going to speak to us in a unique way on Sunday. And this could be the amount of sleep you have. This, this could be uh, your mindset going into worship. Guys, God wants to move among us. But he moves in pliable hearts and ready hearts and hungry hearts and soil that's prepared. And look what can happen. Thank you for being here today. Do you know that your your very presence at church makes a difference in how other people receive from the Lord? Some of you need to push past fatigue and need to be at church more frequently. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. You're tired on Sunday morning. So what? That's what Sunday afternoon naps are for. (laughs) Thus saith the Lord God Almighty in the Hebrew text. You can't find it, but it's there 
in a secret code. I'm going to take numbers backwards. Okay, all right, I'm getting facetious now. I get my hair cut every three weeks, and the same person has done it for a lot of years now. Her business has grown quite a bit, and she's hired all these people and stuff and has her own building now and stuff. And so my last haircut, she, she said, the holiday season is coming. Uh, so, Aaron, I want to schedule your next three haircuts. That's important business, isn't it, huh? So we have appointed times right now. And guess what happens if I miss those appointed times? I head to great clips, our sports clips, which I've got some great haircuts at both of those establishments. But it's a little risky sometimes, right? It's a little risky. It's 50-50. I've gotten some awesome haircuts there. And then I've been able to be part of an artistic development of a young hairstylist. (laughs) And so the Lord works that way too. God often operates, you can put the word often in there again, even though it's not in your notes, at appointed times. I did a a whole message on this in recent months, and I went back and reviewed that message, and, and I want to hit some highlights during this third point, because it's going to be helpful to us in what, what God is not only doing in you, but he's doing to us, in us as a people. When the prophet Habakkuk sought the Lord, and after his second prayer, the Lord, he prayed to the Lord, the Lord responded, he prayed again, the Lord rep- responded a second time. The second time, Habakkuk 2, 3, it says, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. How many agree that's just an encouraging scripture for those of us waiting on God, isn't it? If God spoke something to you, he's not done. Now, I, I want you to see here the appointed time of the Lord. We're going we're gonna to set a couple of scriptures up to, to, to bring it home to what the Lord's saying to us as a body. Sarah was past the point of bearing children. And God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and then I'm going to bless you through Sarah. It was an impossible situation in the natural. But Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, the question is this, is there anything impossible for the Lord? This is the Lord's word to Sarah. I will, at the appointed time, I will come back to you And in about a year, she will have a son. This is what the Lord says. There's an appointed time I will come back to you, and in about a year, she will have a son. Now, the fulfillment of the scripture happened in Genesis chapter 21, verse 2. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time God told him. So we see here some scriptural evidence uh, from Habakkuk, from the story of Abraham, and Sarah, and I could really go on. Now I want you to see something in Leviticus chapter 23. I'm getting deep, people. I'm going to Leviticus. Are you impressed? All right. The Old Testament theory. I think that's so funny. I had a friend of mine point that out to me years ago. All right. Leviticus 23, chapter 23, uh, verse 2 and 4. Speak to the Israelites and tell them, these are my appointed times. Now, what's happening here, if you read all of Leviticus 23, the Lord is sharing particular festivals for the Jewish people. And he said, 
this is the rhythm. These are the appointed times. I want you to celebrate me in a specific way. So it's the times of the Lord that you will proclaim as sacred assemblies. And so these are certain times of the year. But then now it reminds us of something. The principle of the Sabbath. Work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day, there must be a Sabbath of complete rest, a sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord wherever you live. That's why the Jews have done this all across the world. It doesn't matter if they're in Jerusalem or Russia or New York City or St. Louis or Goodlettsville. All over the world, they've observed the Sabbath. Now look at this. These are the Lord's appointed times, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. Now, I want us to look at this as a general principle. I don't think there's any reason for us to have undue stress about Sabbath keeping or, or about festival keeping. That's another subject for another day. Uh, we're, we're free to worship God. But I want you to see here that God has a rhythm and he has, he says, six days of work, one day of rest. And he talks about sacred assemblies and he calls those appointed times. And I just want to tell you, Tennesseans, in 2017, that until our culture changes, that your appointed time is Sunday mornings and other times, Sunday nights. And that's not legalistic. I'm, I'm talking about contextually for who we are, who our culture is. Um, Sunday mornings, uh, we still, most of us go to church. Now, I think Saturday night church is great. We have no plans for that. Uh, I haven't seen it work yet on the north side of town yet. Uh, maybe it will in the future. Saturday night churches are great. Sunday night church is great. Tuesday night church is great. So your appointed time could be Tuesday night. There's people, there's a significant part of our workforce who's working today. And they're working today because we're all going to go out to breakfast or lunch after service today. So they, they are meeting our demands. So we should not judge those who have to work on Sundays. It's, it's our fault that they do. Okay? But... I, I want you to see, I'm not throwing any kind of legalistic obligation here. I, I want you to see a general principle that God has an appointed time for you. And if he's called you to this church, and if he's called you to a 242 group this afternoon, and if he's called you to a women's Bible study, and he's called you to a men's Bible study, and he's called you to be a volunteer for Awana, or if he's called you to be part of the, the parking lot team or the safety team, those are appointed times for you. And God says, in that rhythm, and in that part of your existence, in that part of your worship, in that part of your showing up, I've appointed that as a time that I'm going to speak to you. Now, do you know what that is? That is not an obligation. That is not a legalistic principle. That is an opportunity. That is a gift. God says, I, I've given you the body, and I've given you, I've given you appointed times Whatever that rhythm is for you, whatever your Sabbath is, my Sabbath is Friday. And, and you're, you're, you are gracious enough to give that to me. So I try not to do uh, as much work, work on, on, on Fridays for the church. I still do. I still visit you in the hospital if you're sick or something like that. And don't be paranoid if, if you call me because you guys are my friends too and you don't take a Sabbath from being friends with people, right? But, but for many years now, it used to be Monday. It's been Friday for about five years. Uh, I, I try not to do church work on Fridays. So I can be fresh. I can be ready to give God's word today. That's my appointed time. The Lord has an appointed time for you. For most of you, it's, it's Sunday morning. Do you want to know how I know that? Because you're sitting here right now. 
So for those who are working this morning or, or who don't have Sunday mornings available, they have a different appointed time. Okay, so that, that's, that, I want you to see that, that the Lord has an appointed time for you. One of the best um, pieces of advice that I got from a pastor who's no longer alive now, he says, have, have an end of the day, an end of the week, and an end of the year. The end of my year happens to be Thanksgiving because you guys keep me busy at Christmas. And we work holidays. Me and my family, we work on holidays. And um, then I'm so amped up for January. You know, I'm just, you know, so, so Thanksgiving, I just chill and eat and watch football and um, hang out with my family. It's, it's pretty glorious, isn't it? Until you get on the scales Monday morning and there's a price to pay. But have an end of the day. Go home to people you love. Have an end of the week. Have an end of the year. Here's the last thing. All of these things I'm talking to you about, we're not under the law, we're under love. Aren't we grateful for a God who doesn't judge our hearts by rule keeping, but he judges our hearts by intention? And... um, So we have something that's bothersome to some people, but it's known as a free will. If you don't believe in free will, then you've never been around teenagers very much. Or three-year-olds, for that matter. This is what the Lord does for us. God invites our response. God invites our response. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 is one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible. But often people overlook the first part of it. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be committed and repent. That's not quite as marketable of a verse as verse 20, is it? Let verse 19 sink in. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. If, If you feel a little conviction from God's word, that's a sign that God loves you. If if there's a little bit of sting, sometimes when you hear a teaching, that's a sign that God loves you. Especially if it's done from a heart of love and the heart of God is always a heart of love. So be committed and repent. This 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 is what God's calling us to do. Now, look at what he says. Listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and have dinner with him, which is the international sign of fellowship, and he with me. We've often used verse 20 as an evangelistic scripture, and it certainly can apply that way. But contextually, he's saying, I have a life of love and a life of discipline. I'm calling you to commitment. I'm calling you to repentance, and I'm knocking at the door of your heart. And guess what, Christians, you can do? Is you can ignore the knock. You you can. And my theology, I believe I'll see you in heaven still. So this is not necessarily a matter of your salvation. I'm trying to scare you into doing something. I'm just saying that I know scripturally, I know for me, that God is knocking at my door wanting to fellowship with me, wanting to commune with me. God is knocking at my door wanting to discipline me. God is knocking at my door wanting me to be committed. God is knocking at my door wanting me to repent. And, you know, 
I don't have to open. And isn't that a sign of God's love too? But man, may we want to open that door. May we have a vision of God that's so great, a God who loves us and has given everything to us. It's so strong and powerful and great that anytime God knocks, Lord, we're open to everything that you have. I want us to stand together. So this is a value to me. Uh, We could have designed our services for an hour. And maybe someday we will when we have to go to three services someday. But right now, our services are designed to be an hour and 15 minutes. Sometimes 9 o'clock, you get an hour and 20 minutes. Because you're not as, as big in as big of a rush, that noon, you know, that noon hour really messes us up mentally. And so a value to me, and this would still be a value if we ever had to shorten our services for multiple services, is a chance to respond to the scripture. So I, I wouldn't be comfortable right now. Some of you are like, okay, sermon's over, I got what I need, I'm ready to hit the road. I would not personally be as comfortable just saying, see you guys, have a great week, I hope you enjoyed the sermon, because that communicates that... Um, it's all about the preaching. The preaching leads us to the cross. The preaching leads us to Jesus. The preaching leads us to response. And we can respond a lot of different ways. I suppose the best way to respond would not even be in this room. The most effective way to respond to God's word is through living application. And so we respond to God's word on Monday, on Wednesday, on Friday. So that's probably the the optimal way to respond to God's word. But I also believe that as all of the scriptures we shared with you today, talking about appointed times, talking about today's the day of salvation, talking about Jesus knocking at the door, that right now in these last five minutes, seven minutes we have together, that the spirit of God is wanting to move in your heart and he's wanting, he's inviting you to respond to him. And, and we can do that sometimes through reflection. We can do that through worship as Beth leads us in a song. But one of the ways we can respond is through communion. I don't believe Christians have to take communion every week. And so, uh, so, so there are good reasons why Christians sometimes choose not to take communion. But we, we give that as an opportunity every week for those who want to. But one of the other things that, that we give opportunity to that I, I think that uh, our congregation hasn't yet taken full advantage of is, is to, to pray with prayer partners because we, we, we sometimes need God to move right now. He's moving right now. He's moving in the moment. He's moving today. He's moving right now. And, and if, we don't, if we don't respond, perhaps the enemy will snatch the seed from us. If we don't res- respond, maybe it'll be choked out. If we don't respond, um, we'll forget. You know, kind of like I did with the story I told earlier about, about Beth's appointment Thursday. I just forgot. It's not because I'm hard-hearted necessarily or it's because I'm human and I just forget and, and we can forget we'll, we'll say well I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with that issue I'm gonna deal with that sin later on in my quiet time or I'm gonna I'm gonna think about how to apply it to my life at another time and God's moving right here and so we have prayer partners that are available uh, to pray with you so we're gonna respond to the Lord today and and have a chance to respond to him if you both at the back of the building the front here there's a place for you to take communion it would be most helpful if you use this aisle to come down if, and you can return to the sides or to the middle if you're over here you can use the aisle I'm pointing to now to either come to the front or the back and you can kind of go in phases you return to the middle return to the sides we're not in a big hurry um, we, we can do it 
over a matter of a few minutes and everyone could get served. And then I'm asking our prayer partners to come forward and some of our prayer partners come join us right now. And uh, we got 242 leaders, pastors, and, and I'll be down here. And we just want to pray with you. We just want to pray. And if, if you got something in your life that, that you need some encouragement in, and no one will judge you. No one will, will try to guess what's going on. We, we'll all know that every single one of us have been at a place where we need prayer. So let's respond to the Lord. Father, we dedicate this time to you. We thank you, God, for helping us be a responsive people. We thank you, Lord, for the symbolic bread and the cup that are here to focus us on Jesus today. And, Lord, we commit the Lord's Supper to you this time. And as a matter of instruction, if you're visiting with us, I won't give you further instruction on the Lord's Supper. You can take the bread or drink the cup on your own when your heart's ready, or you can pray with someone, a friend, or someone you care about. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that... Uh, You would do your work. If anyone is sick in body, if anyone needs a breakthrough in their life, Lord, that they would receive the prayer uh, that you might have for them. We, We love you. We thank you.